This podcast was recorded and produced in the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eori Nation. Blackbirds acknowledges and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. No offence, but... No offence, but you guys suck. No offence, though. Like, no offence. Great Britain has now become Snowflake Central. No, 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 no. Oh, my God. Look. No offence, but... Oh, my God. Oh. No, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm going to get him a vegan sausage rolls. What the fuck is going on? Hello, and welcome back to No Offence, But, a Blackbirds podcast. My name is Aisha. I am the Artistic Director of Blackbirds and the host of this podcast. I hope you've been having a fabulous time since we last caught up. I had a little break from the podcast last week as we, Blackbirds, had a live performance as part of Sydney Fringe. I talked about it a bit in earlier episodes, but in a nutshell, the performance was called Our Visions Begin With Our Desires, Chapter 2, and it was a parody of The Real Housewives. And this particular show was formatted like a Real Housewives reunion. It was a lot of fun. We ended up selling out and it's pretty crazy to think that we were able to perform live during a pandemic. We actually also were able to live stream the performance so that it got shown to countries all over the world and people were able to tune in from wherever they were. One of the performers in the show is actually my guest today. Richard Snoomy Whitbread played the role of the host who was called The Shaman. Now, when Richard is performing, he also goes by the shaman. But don't be mistaken, the shaman that Richard was playing in our show was very much character. And the shaman that Richard embodies to access a deeper level when performing is very much real. And we'll discuss that later in the podcast. Richard is a very talented creative artist, musician, creative director, choreographer and dancer who creates art to heal both himself and others. We had this chat a few weeks back, right at the beginning of spring, and I tell you what, Richard spoke to my soul. I was having the worst morning, funny because now I really can't even remember why, but listening to Richard gave me a fresh perspective on the day. And I hope it does for you too. Enjoy the Talanoa. So Richard Tanumi, how are you? I feel great. I feel blessed. I feel happy. It's a good day. It's uh, first day of spring today. Is it? Was it yeah, yesterday? Yesterday was a first day of spring. Oh, beautiful. Spring has sprung. It definitely has. I can feel a change in the air. Absolutely. Me too. Mm. Okay, so you're feeling very happy and blessed today, but when was the last time someone offended you or you offended someone? <laughs> I was actually looking at this question going, how am I going to answer this question? <laughs> for me, I don't know, for me, uh, just uh, personally, I really don't like to um, take offense to something because I know that it has something to do with me and my person. And so I'm always trying to um, understand people's perspectives and not take offense to something and kind of like, you know, get my guard up before I realize or know where that, because everything stems from somewhere. So Mm. I'm always just trying to like be very present and vigilant in trying to just anchor myself in the love vibration at all times. So I feel like, um, as a, you know, personally, I, I, you know, work my best to not take offense to anything, but I think the last time I offended someone, geez, I, hmm. <laughs> I can't really name a time. I, I don't think just off the top of my head, but, um, yeah, that's just my mantra. Try not to offend anybody and try um, to understand that, you know, we're all 
kind of going through something and even though someone might seem offensive at the moment they might not necessarily mean to and it's just a communication error or something to do with you know maybe upbringing mm. or um, something that they've experienced growing up because you know developmental use are really important i feel in um the way that we are as people mm. and as a collective we have been going through a lot of ascension in you know whether it be uh, trauma in family or intergenerational trauma or you know any of these things i feel like the only way to kind of combat being offended which is what i you know i work towards is kind of just like anchoring in that love vibration and understanding that you know we're all just trying to get along mm. how did you get to this point though like this kind of understanding and thought process i think because i have been uh my focus and my you know passions have always been on ancient sciences ancient practices of healing um meditation whether it be eastern or western um and at the center of that is always understanding and always love and you know healing for me is something um that is just a part of my daily practice people come to me from all walks of life um some very open with all kinds of you know problems that you know just listening to um is is that form of therapy or healing and then sometimes it's sound ball healing you know or sometimes it's uh reiki or quantum therapy you just never really know as you know someone who you know is is in that healing frame of mind but i feel like when i lived in los angeles for a long time a lot of those shells that i grew up with um kind of fell and broke so you know taking offense to things for example or um just feeling uh kind of like threatened or you know insecure about something always stemmed from uh internal struggle within myself so learning how to remedy that i feel like it was it's always about self reflection it's always about self discovery and um decoding all of the stuff that i feel like growing up when i was in school um you know just from society and you know the structural systems that we grew up in um the collective agendas um western society um has a a way of kind of you know glorifying materialistic things especially as a performer in the arts and images is everything and you know your brand is everything and all of this stuff but really at the center of it all was kind of my passion to create and my passion and love to you know move through art and use art as a form of healing for myself and therefore others so has this type of healing and your art has that helped you cope with covid and what's going on in the world at the moment Absolutely. I feel like if I didn't have the tools that I kind of prepared myself with um in Los Angeles with just you know a lot of spiritual practitioners um such as Paramahansa Yogananda he's a, a huge um influence and uh kind of like an ascended master that I feel is very close to my soul and my spirit. He was actually one of the people that brought yoga to the west in a time when yoga was you know uh not franchised and westernized the way it is today and mainstream and you know easily accessible he's kind of like the bl- the blueprint of that you know inspired a lot of influential people like the beatles and 
um, you know, Steve Jobs, like it was wow, like his yeah. only book that was on his computer, you know, when, when he was passed, you know, when he passed away was, was uh, the autobiography of a yogi, which was written by Paramahansa Yogananda. And so all of these ancient tools, like, you know, the yogic sciences I've used in the past to kind of heal myself from injuries. Cause you know, as a dancer performing arts, we always have injuries and um, some of them have been pretty intense. Um, recovering and healing myself from both of my ACLs rupturing was, you know, a long and arduous process. And I went through two surgeries and, you know, it was like a whole ordeal. And, but really at the end of it was how I was thinking up here, you know, cognition, like I manifested more suffering and more pain within my knee than I needed to. And so when I learned about the yogic sciences and practiced yoga and meditation, I was able to heal myself. And so in this time of COVID, I feel like if I didn't have those tools, I would have driven myself up the wall. <laughs> this time, you know, like it's a lot of time to go inward and I'm a very active person. You know, I'm very active in the creative arts, whether I'm performing at some event or choreographing for an artist or, you know, creative directing or writing a song, you know, these are all uh, creative inputs that all lead to the same, the same route for me, you know, and that's to express and to share and to, you know, share my experience and then somehow, you know, in the process, allow others to heal from that or even be inspired by that. Mm. You were touching on it before, you know, you're a creative artist, you dance, you write music, you creative director, do all these different things before you were doing all these things and you started as a dancer or you started as a gymnast, but then how did that evolution of you and your art form be become? Like, how did it all happen? It's just a long story. <laughs> but I will say that a very pivotal moment for me was um, my uh, NDE, my near-death experience when I was 16. Uh, I was heading to um, acrobatics training to compete in the world championships and, um, you know, all of this time was all of this like pressure and training, heavy training leading up to it. And yeah, one day I was heading to training and I was crossing the road and I didn't see the last lane. I was jaywalking. Be very, very aware when you're jaywalking and don't jaywalk. <laughs> Otherwise don't jaywalk. But if you're going to be very, very aware of your surroundings at that moment, I was very emotionally overwhelmed because um, at that time, you know, my mom uh, said, said to me that you know it's time to give up acrobatics and focus on your studies and you know she had other ideas for me and um now she's like she supports me more than anybody in the world when it comes to you know my creative endeavors but at that time it was a uh, give up acrobatics and i was like oh, heartbroken so heading to training and yeah i got hit by this car and i picked myself like off the road like after you know i'd flung my body had like rolled over the top of the car and oh. it was it was like such an intense experience for me what is it in sydney yeah it was in sydney right actually where i um go to train now which is hilarious because i look at that place that that spot where i kind of left the earth and i'm like wow that's where i came back <laughs> great spot in Parramatta road yeah so um yeah i picked myself off the the road and all i can remember is like i have to get to training but I couldn't breathe because all of the air had been locked out of my lungs. So I was like trying to catch my breath. I couldn't catch my breath. And then I just collapsed and I died for about 
nearly four minutes and you know the doctor was like the doctors were like you know if you were under any longer four minutes is brain damage so yeah. right there at the four minute line but you know thank god i came back you know absolutely fine i didn't have any you know brain damage or anything like that but when I, the the part that that changed my life forever is when i was gone yes i was going to ask you what yeah what was that like that feeling was is is something that you really can't describe with words and it goes outside like the meanings of joy centeredness unity absolute connection um, elation like these words are just like fragments of the way it felt and i felt like i was gone for much longer than than it felt you know 4 minutes it didn't feel like 4 minutes it felt like a lifetime that i was gone and I actually I remember doing, uh, you know, traveling at the speed of thought and doing all kinds of just healing work, just like what I'm doing here, for example, mm. singing, you know, singing for somebody or um, chatting to somebody or have, giving someone a massage, you know. So like all of these healing practices, I just felt like I was doing that, but on another level. And then I heard this sound kind of like a, snoring and I was like what is this sound like just coming from like the corner of the room or something and I was like what is that sound and then I the snoring started to get bigger and then I realized oh that's me that's that's me breathing and then as soon as that thought happened I was shot back into my body and just felt like being electrocuted so like it all it all um expressed and you know, my spirit, I felt my spirit come back through my heart center and it just kind of like the energy of electricity just went through my whole body and I came back and I couldn't breathe. And it was like, I went from this amazing feeling to like, why, <laughs> why am I back here? Mm. I wasn't able to speak because I had, you know, um, there was lack of oxygen to my brain. So I was like, I thought I had brain damage. So I was like, what's wrong? You know, I couldn't speak. And I was, you know, I was in shock at that moment. And um, yeah, so coming back was very, uh, it was very intense and also very kind of like, this was the dream. This was the dream. And coming back to this reality, it felt um, almost like, you know, it was such a small part of what we are as a collective, because essentially we all are spirit. And, you know, it, it, we are sexless entities that live in, you know, habitat, you know, human form, whether it be masculine or feminine, we are spirit first. And so I feel like I had a much deeper connection to spirit when I was in the astral in the, so yeah, coming back, you know, it was um, intense, but then it also healed a lot of stuff within my family and my mom. And, you know, I remember the first thing I said to my mom when she came to the hospital to pick me up, I was like, we didn't say goodbye, <laughs> you know, cause I said bye to her and she was like in, you know, an arguing mode and she was like, you know, you know, I'm not going to say anything. And, you know, it was like that, it was, a, it was a catalyst for my family as well, you know? And that is how I began my journey into dance. God, that's so amazing. What is your relationship or thoughts on death now? Do you have a, like, how do you feel about death? I um, actually, that experience at 16 uh, really confirmed within me that the death is an illusion. 
and that it's life to life. You go from one life to another life. Reincarnation is something that is part of human, the human collective experience. And, you know, it's written in, um, you know, the ancient, uh, the, the Sanskrit um, in ancient Egypt, these were all things that were kind of known facts that we are spirit and, you know, there is an afterlife and, you know, there's a, a rite of passage and there's a rebirth. And so a lot, when I grew up, you know, I, when people was like, oh, you, you know, growing up in you know, Christian, especially Seventh-day Adventist, my auntie, I remember telling me at one point she, she said to me, um, she's actually in the next now. So I feel like it was actually very pivotal for me to learn this discovery, to tell her before she went into her next life that you're going into a new life, yeah. basically. Because she said to me at a very young age, I remember very clearly, she was like, when you die, you go into the earth and then you wait and you just wait there and you wait for Jesus to come and get you. And then you go. And I was like, that seems so foreign and so wrong to me that, you're just going to wait in the ground kind of like in limbo. And I just knew in my spirit that that didn't sound right. And I just, it freaked me out. I felt claustrophobic. I was like, no, I can't be in the ground like that. You know, I just know that that's. So when I did experience, you know, dying, it was actually the most amazing thing I've ever experienced in my whole entire life. And that feeling you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, I'm looking forward to that day, one day, not saying that it's going to happen soon, you know, I want to have a long life so that I can, you know, keep creating music and making waves in art, because I know that art is what I'm here to do um, for, you know, collective healing myself and others. But yeah, I just feel like, you know, death, I see it as life to life, which is even this um, tattoo, right? So the tattoo I have on my chest is actually on the entrance and exit of every Egyptian tomb. And uh, it symbolizes the doorway. So you enter the doorway and you leave where you're going and you go into the next. So you come into the next room. So everything was a symbol or symbolism to pertain to life everlasting. Life together as eternal spirits, we are forever transitioning into new lives and the fact that this this physical body dies does not mean that the essence of who i am dies the essence of who i am lives on and has lived before and you know understanding that as it's just like you know the human body is just like uh clothing so we put and we take off clothing just as much as we take off and put on clothing, we take and shed this body and always come back. And we always come back for lessons uh, to ascend from past life trauma, intergenerational trauma, intergenerational suffering, suffering that we might have experienced and have experienced in past lives and healing them in the present moment. Because we are, as you know, we're going through the cycle of repetition. And that's just how it is. Life goes in waves, such as why the snake was symbolized as such an um, influential part of spirituality throughout all ancient cultures. It was a symbol because that wave pattern that the snake makes is the rise and fall 
of collective consciousness. And I feel like this journey, we are, we are going on this roller coaster towards a, a certainty, the age of Aquarius. So we're in the age of Aquarius. So this is that time where the Maya is being lifted, the illusion. And we can see that with everything that's going on in the world today, including COVID. You know, this is an uncomfortable ascension, but change can be uncomfortable, but it is a blessing in disguise. Oh, so well said. I just like, and I just needed this conversation today. Wow. This is like blowing my mind, Richard. Oh, that's so good. I'm so happy. So that was amazing what you just said. And so uh, there's so many layers to it. And I think it's so important to think about our suffering and not necessarily see it as a blessing, even though it is, but it can be hard to see it as a blessing, but also just to be able to find the growth through it. Because I think uh, suffering is actually, and this is what I've come to realize, even though, you know, it's written everywhere. And a lot of people, it's, as you were saying, ancient practices, they talk about it a lot, but it is that thing that you need to find out in your own time. But I've only really, only recently realized the point of suffering is so that you can grow and evolve and what a wonderful realization that is. Absolutely. I like to think of um, just this one phrase that has been echoing in my mind for um, quite some time, especially since everything that's been happening in America, it's not happening to us, but it's happening for us. Mm -hmm. And in that aspect, we understand that, you know, the, the road of suffering is, also the road of enlightenment there's no mud without a lotus so you have to go through that adversity and the dirtier the mud and the more painful the journey through the mud the more fragrant and beautiful the lotus will seem and smell because of the trials that they have risen above mm. So that, that journey or that rite of passage is also the narrative that helps us learn from our past and evolve towards a higher state of consciousness by learning from past experiences. And that's why in our timeline, we are, we are fortunate and blessed to have that timeline so that we can look back and that we can understand the mistakes of the past and evolve past them, not to hold on to them, because that is the part that is the hardest to transform in your, with your own, within your own heart. And because, you know, it's, it's about forgiving, but never forgetting. We never forget from the past experiences that have come to play because they help us understand what not to do in the future and how to better ourselves as a collective and a society. And I really do believe that you know, this is the time that for eons and centuries and prophets and sages and mystics have been talking about this ascension for a long time. And, you know, in the Vedic cal calendar, in the, you know, the, the yugas, you know, we've, we've come out of the Kali Yuga, which was, you know, the um, transformative essence that takes us to the enlightened place. And this is the age of Aquarius that we're living in now. And people always thought that this time would be like, oh, some, you know, flowers and roses and all of that kind of stuff. It is to a, an extent, but it's also, it's also about breaking 
all of the illusions that are in our society and deconstructing them and coming to terms, accepting them and allowing us to use that knowledge to better our future and also to, to become aware of things that may not have been brought to light before on a collective scale, just like we're seeing now in the world. Mm, beautiful. I was watching an interview that you did a while back, like maybe five years ago for dance, wow. dance. Editorial. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That was a, you were having a cup of tea. You had bright green hair. <laughs> yes, that was right before I actually went to LA. Yes, um, you you were saying you were like you'd been home for ten months, and it was like a very long time for you to be back home. And then yeah, you were going to LA. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was um, that was like right before I danced for Chris Brown, actually. Yes. Which yeah. brings me to my next question. I've got so many questions for you, actually. Oh, my God. Oh, this would be like, this could be like a trilogy of interviews. But so firstly, <laughs> I wanted to ask, because in the interview, um, you talk about being a dancer and how, as a dancer, you're told not to pull focus because you're mm. there to support the star, whoever mm. if that's Chris Brown or whoever you're working with. And we were mm. talking about how because of that, you never felt that you could truly give 100% of yourself. You could mm. only give about 70% because you would be told that you can't be too much because you're not, you know, you're not supposed but, to be the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, how does that, can you tell us a bit more about that and, and then I guess how that played into you developing your own art and your own work? No, absolutely. So yeah, then I actually um, had a lot of transformation since that last video, um, spiritually mm. and also just like through the industry and allowing, putting what I said there into practice by, you know, um, spending less time focusing on, because, you know, as a dancer, a professional dancer, you know, you have an agent and you have constant castings and calls and, you know, your agent's always suggesting things to you. And uh, doing that for a certain amount of time, you kind of get into a habit almost of like just going, dropping everything you have and going to these auditions and then not getting the job and feeling like, oh, I probably shouldn't have like sacrificed all that other stuff I was supposed to do. So when I went back to LA, I <clears throat> applied that by my actions. I stopped myself from going to those auditions, which was a very hard process for me because I was just so used to doing that. But if I wanted anything to change, I realized that I need to change it first. So that first step was kind of me taking a step back from being so available for dance and kind of prioritizing my time towards my music and my art and even choreography. Cause I wanted to, cause I, at that point I'd had quite a lot of experience in the dance industry working with, you know, the greatest choreographers of our time, which is still like a, a pinching moment for me because, you know, growing up, like dancing in front of the TV, looking at these, you know, routines by Michael Jackson or Janet Jackson or Britney Spears or so yeah like growing up and then like you know working with these people I felt like you know I learned so much from them you know just by working on tv shows and seeing how you know um they develop an artist and seeing all of these amazing tools that I was able to learn and then 
you know, learn to apply to myself and others. So I really wanted to, to do that, but it really took me uh, like making that mental, you know, uh, decision to actually not go to those auditions, which was hard because I'm like, okay, so there's a, you know, um, huge audition for Usher or something. And I'm like, I'm not going to that <laughs> hard decision. But it was so every, every time I said, I'm not going to that, it, it became easier and easier. So then therefore I was kind of breaking that pattern and, you know, dancing for artists has been a huge part of, you know, like learning about the industry because I see how they are the artists and I see how, you know, they allow themselves to, you know, maybe not learn all of the routine and kind of like chime in on, you know, little parts to accentuate, which makes it even more of an artist thing, which is kind of like, okay, so that's, you know, how you do it because coming from a dance background, you just want to like do every little eight count one and a two, but as an artist, you know, you, you actually don't need to do that. And so spending a lot of time around, you know, other artists, I learned that process and then, you know, wanted to apply that process to myself and to other artists that I was working with. And so, yeah, basically I kind of put myself out there as a choreographer when I went back for the last three years. So, um, and the, in the last two, I, you know, I got some pretty cool choreography things under my belt, you know, choreographed some stuff for Violet Tchotchke and Dita Von Teese and, um, you know, some, uh, DJs and stuff that had artists, you know, international DJs like Eric Murillo that, you know, had artists that they wanted to make music videos for. So creative directing was starting to happen for me, which was really exciting because when you, that last interview, I had not yet done that. But, you know, I was kind of like saying, like, I don't want to, at that moment, I was like, I don't want to pull myself back anymore. I don't want to like allow myself to, I want to allow myself to be a hundred percent, you know, whether it be for myself, creating for myself or for another artist, but I didn't want to put myself behind another artist anymore because I guess I'd evolved past it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that transition, um, it was a natural progression for me, but kind of like that interview, I felt like I had enough of it, you know? I was like, I need to put myself first. And it really was, um, it was difficult for me to cal recalibrate that. But once I did, you know, it was so rewarding and I feel so much better as an artist. And it took my creativity and, you know, what I would create for other people to another level because I allowed myself to express 100% of myself. Mm. instead of a smaller part of myself so yeah what was that experience like living in LA amongst such a huge creative scene where everyone is talented or working towards something and you've come over from Australia Fijian boy like what was that like for you that would have been huge <laughs> it was um the first time I moved there was like heavy culture shock. <laughs> I was not used to American culture. Um, I was just not used to being overseas. Like I'm such a family orientated mm. person and to leave family behind was really difficult for me. But um, yeah, it was kind of like being molded in the fires. If I were to describe it as anything, you know, like uh, finessing a diamond, like, you know, it, it takes cutting and shaping and fire and, adversity and struggle and 
questioning your talent and your self-worth. Like I had to go through all of that, comparing myself to others, you know, others' success. It, it's, it's toxic. It's never, it's never the way, you know, that we're meant to live. You know, you're never, ever, ever supposed to compare yourself to anybody else. And that is what I really went to go to Los Angeles for. And I believe that, you know, I was drawn there because it is a very spiritual place as well, even though it is the heart of, you know, Hollywood and, you know, the, you know, fake towns and reality TV shows, all that stuff, you know, it's of course, like you, you want to be very, very aware of the people around you because people can take advantage and exploit, which is what has happened to me in the past with, you know, managers and contracts and being stuck in contracts for years and having to wait until they're over. But this is all part of my journey. You know, I, I look back in hindsight and I'm, I'm grateful because mm-hmm. it showed me it showed me how to take care of myself as an artist and just as a, a person that creates in the industry also to protect my work and not to, you know, just share my ideas to any Tom, Dick and Harry, because one of those Tom Dicks or Harry will take that and they will put it on the next show or the next thing, which has happened to me before. And, you know, I just remember it happened one time. Um, and I, like, you know, it was for, uh, I think the book billboards or something like that. And, you know, this artist said, the designer who um, was putting it together, I, I was speaking to him saying like, I really want to do like all of this tribal, like, you know, uh, primal futuristic tribal kind of things, lots of prints, etc. And then like the next week, I kid you not, was like put on for, you know, this big artist. I'm going to not name the artist. And I was like, wow, like, I really have to learn how to keep my mouth shut, (laughs) you know, because I get so excited about sharing an idea or even collaborating with someone who is in the industry. So you just want to like, you know, give you information away, but it's like the very famous saying, do not throw, you know, like don't give pearls to swine because you know, that it's that, that expression means it's like protect your stuff. Sometimes people, you know, may take that, for granted or may exploit it, you know, Mm. and not include you at all in part of that, you know? So I feel like, yeah, LA is the, the land of the seeker. It's always been known as the land of the seeker. People come from all walks of life. It's the biggest melting pot on earth. Mm. Every single, every single country is there in that, in that space. And they're all fighting and, um, grinding and you know climbing to the top of whatever their their ladder is or their mountain is and in fact it's actually really inspirational at if you if you can flip the way that you see things and you actually can use which is what i did you know use the space and use the creative people around you as a force of inspiration because there's so much talent there. There's so much to like vibe and learn and kind of share with one another. It's, it's just a natural process of evolution. If you allow yourself to go to those spaces and, Mm. you know, collaborate with those creative artists. And it's also great because you can really in Los Angeles, I found, you know, create your own, your own entity, your own brand, your own movement. And that's the part that I really loved about, you know, living in LA is that you really could create, you don't need, 
a special manager or an agent to make your dreams into reality or to, you know, get further or a record label even, mm. you know, especially nowadays because people are able to share music and content so much easier, which is, which I, in my opinion, I think is just such a amazing thing. It's like the time of the artist for all of mm. us. We're the time of the artist to share, you know, the human experience from their collective or their, you know, their frame or um, perspective and allow other people to kind of look at that and, you know, feel like it resonates in their soul, that same experience or that same thing or struggle that they're going through. They can like look at that through art and kind of heal that part of themselves. So yeah, Los Angeles is, um, you know, that's also where Paramansa Yogananda brought yoga to the West. Oh, like out of all the places he was like, you need to go to California. <laughs> <laughs> like he was like, just the, the transmission came in. He's like, California is the place, like it's the eye of the earth. You know, if you want to send out a wave at that time, it was from the eye of the earth. Wow. And so I kind of like, you know, at a very young age, um, always knew that I would live in Los Angeles and kind of like pursue that artistic career and also just learn about the industry itself because it's a much bigger industry than Sydney or any other country. So, you know, I feel like I, yeah, really polished that diamond over there. Mm. Oh, I'm absolutely loving talking to you. This is so refreshing. I'm like, wow, my mind is blowing, Richard. You're amazing. So wonderful. Yeah. I obviously know you as Richard, but I also know you as the shaman. Can you tell everyone who the shaman is? So the shaman, I feel, you know, is, is a part of me that I connect to as a healer. So it's the kind of um, rite of passage for me to kind of connect into that highest state of my highest self and tune into that frequency so that I'm able to help the people around me, whether it be, you know, with a healing, as I was saying, or even just by speaking with song, um, performance art, a music video. These are all um, the vehicles that lead to being the shaman. And I believe, you know, a shaman is somebody who communicates with the spirit realm and a shaman is someone who takes a person through a rite of passage or a ritualistic experience to help them attain a sense of enlightenment per se as a guru would shed a light in the darkness to kind of point in a direction where maybe enlightenment can be used or attained for someone and so the shaman is a part of me and also is a part of the collective in itself. Essentially, it's not masculine, it's not feminine, it's, it encompasses all, just as if the yin yang symbol encompasses both. That, that is how I see myself. I see myself as a spirit, not as the physical. I see myself as sexless because our spirit is sexless and that's the part that I identify with most my mm. eternal spirit and so my shamanistic practice is always to help with the global ascension with 
collective ascension. I know that's the basis of why I make music is to heal myself and therefore others. Mm. And, you know, I grew up in this matrix too. You know, we all have that, that kind of journey through the collective agenda and how, you know, society is structured. And, you know, I feel in this time that the shaman is someone to help bring a new fresh perspective or enlightenment to whoever picks it up Mm. because everybody's enlightenment is in their own time and of their own choice. And so I believe that, you know, this vessel is that I am in is just an instrument of the love and the spirit that I bring to the world. Mm. And sharing your spirituality and this message of healing and your connection to culture, sharing that through your work. What has that process been like? Was that a daunting one when you first decided, because you're giving so much of yourself. Have you ever felt ex- just so exposed? Um, <clears throat> yes. And I think that that is transparency and being exposed is actually a really beautiful thing to allow yourself. It allows yourself to be yourself completely It allows yourself to express yourself completely. And also, you know, in my spiritual practice, it's in my ancestry, you know, I'm of Fijian descent as well. My mom, my mom is uh, a Fijian high chief and in our, in our family, you know, she's, she's uh, the mystic and the matriarch of our family. And not only that, you know, my grandmother was a healer. She was a pediatric healer. People would come from all around, Fiji to bring their children to my grandmother because she had that gift, not only with that, but, you know, with herbology in, you know, with all of the natural existing things within nature. And so I felt even from a very young age, I was already doing those things, you know, either healing an auntie or, you know, um, having premonitions about things before they happened. Like I would know when my, my dad would be coming home from overseas and it would just like shock my grandparents to like, how did he know? I was like, my dad's dada. I was like, dada. And then my grandmother, I remember was saying at that point, she's like, where's your dad? Like, he's not here, he's overseas. And then like five minutes later, dad walks in and she's like, are you serious? Like, tell it running off to tell my mom. So like these things, these things aren't out of the ordinary. These things have been documented throughout our history Mm -hmm. and some people have access and some people don't, but it doesn't mean that you can't. Mm. Every single human being has the capability of being clairvoyant, clairaudient. We all have the sixth sense. It's just that society and the collective has forgotten throughout history and even through the agenda you know, pop culture, like, you know, you know what the the main demographic usually is. It's usually about sex, drugs, rock and rolls, what sells, mm-hmm. what's ever marketable, what is fashionable, what's trending. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that there is, there's also people that illuminate in music, you know, there's so many influences, like, you know, some of my favorites would be, you know, Stevie Wonder, Eric Badu, 
uh, Bob Marley, these are all revolutionaries, you know, these people in music, they had a spiritual practice in their, in their music and it helped people evolve collectively from mm -hmm. suffering. And, you know, I feel like that's, that's where I'm at. That's what I want to be in that lane. You know, even Prince, I remember him in an interview saying there are people that there are two kind people that two kinds of people that make music, those to oppress and those to awaken. Like I'm, I'm on the awakening side. Like I want, I want to wake people up. And so, you know, I feel music and art and, you know, my history in my culture, it has everything to do with who I am and what, what I create. And, you know, my history in my Fijian family, you know, is, is, I feel it's time to share that now on the collective scale, because, you know, Melanesian and Polynesian artists are really now coming up because we haven't really had a voice in the industry or we haven't really put out as much. So now I feel like it's that time, you know, divine timing for that. So I'm really, really um, happy to share that part of myself because I feel like the more that we're able to share openly, the easier it'll be for us to collectively heal together. Mm. And I'm so happy that you're sharing that because we need it and uh, you're an amazing performer and you have such mana when you perform and you can really feel the spirits within you like they just everyone needs to go see the shaman which which kind of brings me to my next question which is when can we see the shaman when's the shaman's music coming out what's happening okay. well, what's happening so i'm i have been working for the past two and a half years on an album and it's my first album ever. I featured on like albums before as like, you know, a single here, a single there, working with different producers and artists from either here or America, but I've never released my own album. And this album, you know, it's, it's me and it's all facets of me. Um, and it's also, you know, a, a tool or a vessel for me to allow myself to heal and also to project healing into the world. Um, it's going to be, I'm actually planning to release three albums. One is, well, it's not, not exactly, you know, three massive albums, but it's one big album, which will be an album art film. Um, and it will be a film from stop to finish. So I'll be releasing the whole thing at once. And then um, the second one is, just a mixtape of a compilation of things that I'd never released in the past and music that kind of, you know, spoke to me and I, I wrote to it. And so uh, releasing a mixtape and then also a healing album. So all, uh, you know, frequencies and notes that pertain to each chakra within the body, um, working on different things, whether it be, you know, manifestation for miraculous healing or a heart chakra meditation or, um, third eye activation. These are all things that will be part of that, of that album as well, because I really want to be able to, cause at the, the forefront of my music endeavors is always healing. Mm. And, and of course, like I love to perform. So the mm. arts, right. So expressing myself, you know, in the arts is, you know, a gift and also something that I feel like I haven't shared with the world 
the way that I know that I'm capable of. So that's why I'm really excited to release this album because there's all kinds of things that are going to be in there from fire twirling to aerial to underwater. There's scenes. everything. There's everything. I've seen a little couple snippets. I love it. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm really yeah. excited. Too. Uh, so I, I plan to share it um, on my birthday, actually, November 22nd. And mm. I know that, you know, you're going to be helping me. So I'm just so yes. grateful. Can't wait to and I love you that you're home. also on the 22nd, you know, cusp baby. Yeah. Yes, Cuspian. Yeah, I love being a Cuspian. In this interview that I was mentioning before, the one you did five years ago with Dance, Dance Edition, Dance... Editorial. Dance Editorial. You mm. talked about... Um, actually, no, this is another interview for the paper, for Fiji Times. I'm getting my oh, yes. interviews confused. You talked about mm. wanting to eventually go back to Fiji and open a dance school, performing arts school. Is that still something that you want to do? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I have been over the past um, two years kind of developing talent in Fiji, um, just helping, you know, upcoming producers and uh, artists and dancers. I'm actually helping um, a dance crew in uh, Fiji called Mata Dance. And, you know, I've just been mentoring them and just kind of like giving them the tools that they need to succeed in their creative ventures. Cause the talent is there. It's mm. absolutely there, but it hasn't been developed yet. So as you know, over the past couple of years, I've been developing that, but eventually I would love to open a big performing arts school in Fiji. And I really do feel like that's, you know, coming up um, not too far away. I feel like that's like the five or 10 year plan. <laughs> so yeah, eventually I would love to create a space where, you know, um, producers are able to collaborate, you know, and share in the studio. Artists are able to come and sing and learn and learn how, if they want to songwrite or if they want to, you know, learn acting or just the performing arts in general, because the performing arts is part of our Fijian culture and identity. And it's kind of fallen a little bit by the wayside. And I really want to bring that back. And I also want to, allow our ancient tribal culture to be expressed in new ways, ancient, you know, practices being revitalized and also um, almost uh, re-inspired by, you know, um, the modern Fijian to kind of be proud of their cultural identity and history and to share that in their art. And so, yeah, this space, I'm, you know, that's the, that's the dream. And, you know, I feel like it's not too far away and I've already kind of, you know, started to build the community. So it's, yeah, it's, it's all coming together very nicely. Mm. Last question I have for you is, do you have any recommendations for the listeners, something for them to try at home? Okay. Well, some of, them, some of the things that I've used, you know, just on my healing adventures and endeavors um, is binaural beats. And not many people know about binaural beats, but it's audio frequency technology that allows um, the brain, brainwave technology to um, go into the state that the frequency is um, emitting basically. So the brain emits different frequencies when the body's in different states, for example, sleep. 
you know, there are delta waves. And, you know, when, when you're awake and when you're concentrating, you know, it's a much higher frequency. So um, there is actually brainwave technology that, you know, allows you to feel better if you have anxiety or if you're um, wanting a heart chakra healing or if you want to target, you know, combating a flu or a cold. I find that this frequency and this, these technologies are so readily and freely available. And, you know, I would just recommend anybody and everybody to, to try that. You know, if you're wanting or looking for some way to kind of like calm your mind from anxieties or, you know, anything that's going on, there, there's a, there's a frequency for it. Cause how do you spell it? By B I N A U R A L. I'll put by, it in the show notes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's, um, yeah, it's this, and there's so many different people. Like I'm actually, you know, I'm I'm going to be making some as well in my healing album, and they have been really effective for me, like healing scar tissue within my knees from ACL recovery. You know, really helping with that recovery mode. I found that they've been very, very beneficial to me, or even just, you know, if I am feeling low vibratorily low i will listen to something to raise my vibration because music is essentially vibration and everything essentially is vibration resonance you know even a wall vibrates <laughs> and that's something that you know we always seem to look over and forget but the power of frequency and the power of thought and intention are very 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 powerful things when it comes to healing mm. so yeah, I highly recommend Binaural Beats. And um, if anybody hasn't had a sound bowl therapy session, I highly recommend that too. Anything to do with, you know, uh, taking care of your, your mental health always starts with something to do with the body. Yeah, like absolutely. So, you know, yeah, I would just, you know, recommend Binaural Beats, yogic practice, sound bowls these are all these are all wonderful tools to kind of shift energies within the body mm. and i use them all the time whether i'm healing myself or others so i highly recommend those things thank you so much for listening i absolutely loved that talanoa i always feel so much lighter and more at peace when i speak with richard and i really hope that you did too you can follow richard and his work on instagram the link is in the bio Oh, actually, no, it's not in the bio. It's in the show notes. And make sure you do so that you can keep up to date with his music and his album release. I've also put links in the show notes to Blackbirds and my Instagrams. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. It is the best way to keep this podcast going and growing. And we have some exciting podcast news coming up in the next episode on Thursday. So make sure you tune into that one. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Lots of love and have a great day.